Welcome to Executive Minds, the podcast helping you convert your potential into high performance so you can grow your career. Here's your host, Kevin B. Jennings. Welcome to Executive Minds, where we help go-getters like you become difference makers with the guidance you need to convert your potential into high performance so you can grow your career. I'm Kevin B. Jennings, and every episode you'll get principles, strategies, and tools from successful, experienced, and emerging leaders who have maximized their potential to do things like launch ideas, lead teams, build businesses, improve communities, and ultimately make a difference in others' lives. Today, we're going to talk to Chick-fil-A entrepreneur and triple franchisee, Kevin Williams, about his book, Irrational Kindness, and the power of curiosity, irrationality, optimism, and a growth mindset to explore what's possible in your career and life. This is an amazing conversation that you don't want to miss, Uh, but before we go any further, I do want to let you know that Executive Minds is brought to you by the Art of Leadership Network, Uh, created by our friend and previous guest, best-selling author Carrie Newhoff. The Art of Leadership Network gathers together world-class leaders and podcasters dedicated to helping you live in a way today that will help you thrive tomorrow. Executive Minds is honored to be one of the podcasts in the Art of Leadership Network, and you can learn more today by visiting theartofleadershipnetwork.com. Well, Future Difference Makers, this episode is a big deal for us for three reasons. Uh, First, we are back from our hiatus. Uh, We took about a year off from the podcast to evaluate and focus our efforts as a team. And here's what we learned. We all collectively love the opportunity to give you access to wisdom that we know can make a difference on your quest to make a difference. So to do that, we have decided to revitalize our blog, our podcast and newsletter, which you can start accessing right now over at executiveminds.co. Now, secondly, as you have just heard, we are now a part of the Art of Leadership Network. Now, that is a network of podcasts curated specifically to help you thrive. And we are so excited as this opportunity helps us continue to solve the problem that's driving us over here uh, on the Executive Minds podcast and the mentor team. And that is the challenge of scaling mentorship. All right. And lastly, We are celebrating episode 200 of the Executive Minds podcast right now. So for longtime listeners, I want to say thank you for sticking with us. Uh, We have great episodes coming your way, and we're going to reward your loyalty in some fun, creative ways. And for the first time or the new listeners, we've got an archive for you to explore. Now, I do want to tell you one thing before you explore, and that is our podcast was once called the Launch University Podcast. And at that time, we focused on helping you launch your ideas. But as we sat with it, it became clear that we care about so much more than your ideas. We care about you and your potential to leverage your career to make a difference. So we changed our team's name to Mentor, uh, that's M-N-T-R, 
were being pretty cool, mentor, and our podcast became Executive Minds. So that's how we got here today. And to celebrate, we have an amazing episode for you about how you can create an extraordinary career and life by choosing to be irrationally kind, infinitely curious, and consistently believe in the power of possibilities. Today's guest, Kevin Williams, turned what started as simple one-on-one meetings with new employees at his Chick-fil-A restaurants into a movement inspiring others to pursue an extraordinary life. Last year, Kevin Williams sat down with some of the founding members on our team, uh, Jeff Henderson, David Farmer, and Shane Benson, to discuss his book and the journey that inspired him to become irrationally kind. So after this quick break, we'll be back with our interview with Kevin Williams. Go-getters like you and me are always on the lookout for quality podcasts to help us grow in life and leadership. And that's why best-selling author and top podcaster Carrie Newhoff has just launched the Art of Leadership Network. The Art of Leadership Network is a new podcast network, and it includes world-class leaders dedicated to teaching you how to live in a way today that will help you thrive tomorrow. On the network, you'll hear from top leaders on culture, entrepreneurship, executive leadership, organizational culture, nonprofit leadership, church trends, influencer strategies, healthy living, and a lot more. The Art of Leadership Network includes podcasts like Win Today with Christopher Cook, H3 Leadership with Brad Lominick, Lead Culture with Jenny Katrin, and many more including this podcast, Executive Minds, which features our team here at Mentor, Jeff Henderson of The Four Company, Shane Benson and David Farmer of Chick-fil-A, and me, Kevin B. Jennings. Learn more about the shows and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode at theartofleadership.com. Welcome to the Executive Minds Podcast, and it is truly a privilege and an honor to be back with you. Um, got some good buddies on the screen today. Can't wait to jump in, but David Farmer, thanks for being here. Jeff Henderson, thanks for being here as co-host. And we have a very special guest today in Kevin Williams, the uh, the author of Irrational Kindness, but also a very, very good friend, a friend of a lot of folks out there, but also a big friend of Chick-fil-A. He is a Chick-fil-A operator, has been a Chick-fil-A operator for over 25 years, uh, maybe 27, 28 at this point. Married to Gwen, they've got four kids. He's got three businesses in Canton, Georgia, uh, and so has been serving the great taste of Chick-fil-A to a lot of folks for many, many years. But along that way, has also realized a real passion that he has to have an impact on people. And Kevin, I just appreciate you willing to spend some time with us, not only just talking about the book, Irrational Kindness, but how you got there and what has kind of driven you to this moment in time where you would hit the pause button and share some thoughts uh, with a lot of folks out there on how to live out this dream that you have, this passion that you have to be to leave kindness in the world and do it in an irrational way. So uh, we're really excited about getting to spend some time with you. So thanks for being with us. Oh, gosh, I'm pumped. Guys, I learned from you guys. I've been learning from you guys for years. So to sit here and get to 
join hands with you and have a conversation about uh, about a topic that's really close to my heart. I appreciate you guys a lot. This is awesome. Hey, Shane, can I jump in and say a word about Kevin? Oh, I would love to, David. So if you're out there listening and you don't know Kevin, I'm going to tell you this. You will not spend time with Kevin, and you cannot leave that conversation or that time together and not feel better as a result of having spent time with him. Kevin is a glass half full guy always, and he, he's so creative, and he's, he's always coming up with, I think, just big ideas, and he's willing to do the hard work to make those ideas real. He has, he's, he's passionate. He's fun. He's got a bluegrass band. So, um, <laughs> in fact, I received his book in the mail in this very clever package, and it was so Kevin-esque. Didn't even know he'd written a book, and it showed up in the mail one day, and he was kind enough to send it to me. And so uh, once I saw that, I'm like, we got to get Kevin on here talking about that. That will be a kick. So, Kevin, thanks, man. Thanks so much. I mean, you know, hey, I can keep cheering people on. You know, sometimes that's uh, – I know what, I, what I'm good at, which sometimes is just cheering others on and, and, in effect, have a good time along the way. So thank you. Well, Kevin, let's start there. Tell us a little bit about your journey. And I'm, I'm also really excited about where you're coming from today. Virtually, uh, I, you may be at your off-premise office, but, and we've got at some point talk about your dream about having a place. You know, it's very hard with three restaurants to get your whole team together in the restaurant to have a meeting, especially in today's environment. But talk about, start with, hey, where are you right now? Talk a little bit about the farm and your opportunity to kind of bring people together um, I'd love to kind of start there with your journey as an operator. Well, this is the farm. We call it where relationships are grown. We don't grow much here, but relationships, you know, we could, we tr we've had a garden out here. I don't know how well it did, but this was a journey really for us to explore. It all started when I was driving down the road. We would share a space for, for our leadership team with another organization, you know, and one day I was driving down the road and I saw a church for sale. And literally, I saw him put a sign out in front of the church on on this road here. And I went, I pulled pulled my car over. I made a phone call. Next thing you know, within a very short time, by the end of the day, we had a contract on that church. My brain had just instantly switched to what would it be like to own a facility where our community could use and and that would be a different type of thing. And that really got me uh, it's amazing how God sometimes will put something on your heart in, in two seconds. And it turned out once I got inside of it, it was had a lot of water damage and, and it really wasn't used. But it had a nursery. It had a pulpit. My brain was on fire thinking of the opportunities of a different way of thinking. So we ended up, next thing we found, that got our brain finding this property. It's about 15 acres. And uh, we're just seeing where God ha takes it. It had not been used but I partnered with Young Life and got them some space in here. I said, I got this property. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But as a community, I found when I started inviting people into a bigger vision, people started jumping at the chance to be a part of a bigger vision. And I'd say that's sometimes, David, you mentioned my bluegrass band. I'm a terrible guitar player, by the way. I mean, I stink, but I love the idea of taking people on a bigger adventure sometime. And some of us, you know, just myself on a bigger adventure, like can I pull together some pieces and expand the opportunity of the idea of what we can do together. And that's a, uh, and I find people come alongside of us and help us get there. 
Well, and that reminds me of a, of a story you have to tell us. I'm just going to say John Cougar Mellencamp. You know, I know that's a long story, but can you tell it? Because yeah, I think it, that story indicates you the kind of person you are to ask big. Why not ask? So tell us about that story. Well, Jeff, first of all, thank you for asking about a John Mellencamp story. Oh, boy, that just that just right to my heart there. But, <laughs> but you know, uh, I, I've... I had always a passion for John Mellencamp. I think his words and his music, and I have a lifelong story of just, you know, going to see him and and learning a throt. It all started with the, the album Scarecrow. I can still remember when I sat there and listened to this album Scarecrow. And it was like John Mellencamp was speaking to me. He was speaking these, you know, if you haven't listened to that album in a while, it's talking about the plight of farmers and it's talking about the the challenges in life and the challenges those that need to lift up and the weirdness in life. And so I became a huge John Mellencamp fan. But one day in, in the weird things that, that I like to do is just said, what if we went and found John Mellencamp? And, uh, and I've just dis- dis- decided in life that if you want to do something, you just go and see if you can find it. And by the way, I'm not a guy that wants to skydive or anything like that. I just more, uh, I have no desire to skydive. There are certain things I have no part of. But the idea of going and going to find John Mellencamp was one that interests me. So we got in the car and off we went. We knocked on his parents' door. We not, I mean, we could have been arrested on some of these things, probably. We went to his aunt's uh, skating rink that he had. We went to where he <laughs> ate. Uh, we were all around John Mellencamp. It turned out he wasn't there that time. He was somewhere else. Um, he was in, I guess we were, uh, we were in Seymour, Indiana. He happened to be in, I think, uh, Indianapolis, I guess, or somewhere we, we ended up hearing, but we ended up, uh, never finding him, but we did all kind we got very close, but the story comes back around where, you know, this steady plotting of being after somebody that was a time in the future that, that Brad and I, my brother were throwing, we were, we were at the beach of Hilton head and we heard John Mellencamp was on the beach, had been playing football the day before. So we went and found the exact same time the next day that he was. And sure enough, here's a guy that I had, you know, I had really, I say oftentimes, most people are like, who's John Mellencamp. I'm trying to, you know, it's like Taylor Swift to you. If you're a, if you're a Taylor Swift fan or, Whoever your hottest artist is today, that's who John Mellencamp was to me at the time. And I, I go up to him and I say, John, can my brother and I jump here and play football with you? And he said, sure. And of course, I jumped on his team. And I think I just sat in the huddle and just, you know, looked at the tattoos on his arms and all kinds of stuff and made sure I was, you know, playing at my top game. So, in, hey, Kevin, in certain circles, they call that stalking. <laughs> but I do like the fact that you went after it, man. I, I, I just am enthralled by this story. I really am. I love that you just said, hey, what the heck? What's the worst thing I can do? How, you know, call the cops? I mean, what's the, you just went in there and went for it, man. I love it. Well, I think I think oftentimes, you know, uh, I, you know, I do say I don't want to live a scared life. And I know. Uh, it's easy to live scared life. It's easy. And it's really the formation of this whole book that I wrote. It really came from working with so many you, so many different people, having the opportunity. You know, at Chick-fil-A, we say we want to be a faithful steward of all that's entrusted to us and have a positive influence on all we come in contact with. And 
to me, the faithful steward piece is the people that I'm entrusted with working. And again, I think I've found that, you know, uh, when I started working, I found oftentimes I, I'm, I'm a more relational guy. You know, it's just kind of way the way I'm wired. You know, you got relationships and results. And I'm, I'm probably heavier on relationships. And at first, when I started working as a leader, uh, I kind of felt that was not a good thing. And some leaders would tell me, hey, you know, you got to be tougher. You got to you know, change the way you do things. But, you know, I found in life, it's not that I, ha- I, I have to be uh, more tough. It's just I found I, if I lead with my relationships, which is my strength, I can it just opens the door to have some really great conversations, some candid conversations, some conversations of talk about the dreams and the goals and where we're going to go on this journey. And so, uh, so with that, this, this stewardship piece, I think that's what the people I'm charged with leading and guiding and being a part of, I just want to cheer them on. And, and, uh, so that's what I find a lot of joy in and setting the teaching and this book came from and teaching. I don't like that word because I'm on the journey with them, but exploring this idea of failure, that failure is a beautiful thing, that being courageous is a beautiful thing. And you don't have to know your entire destination. That is a fact. You just want to know the direction you're going in and take some bold steps to get in that direction. As a matter of fact, the joy is not really in that destination oftentimes. You ever been somewhere and you end up getting it and you're like, well, it's not all it cracked up to be. And honestly, the failure is not all that bad either. <laughs> oftentimes it's like you know the joy is in the journey of what we're doing together and if we can take a look at that every day then it gives us the permission to be a little more to go knock on John Mellencamp's house <laughs> and realize it's going to be okay or to go you know go up and ask him can I play football with you guys well talk a little bit about Kevin it's such a wonderful insight that you talk about you know, it's about the journey. It's also about the failures along the way. And at some one point in time, you said, you know what, I want to try and capture this and I want to put it into the form of a written form uh, in relation to the book. You know, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that have kind of set a big goal like that, but really been nervous to go after it. What Take us through the process that you went through to finally decide, I'm going to sit down and write a book. And then how did you go about doing that? Because we have a fellow author on screen with us today, too, and Jeff Henderson. And both of you have kind of helped us understand a little bit more about the process. Help us understand what process you use to kind of sit down and get a book crafted and write it and published. Well, to be honest, uh, somebody like Jeff Henderson could intimidate the fool out of me, you know, because he's so much skilled and so much, you know, more, uh, I, I don't have a better word than skilled. He's skilled and he, he's more articulate than I am. And it's easy to downgrade yourself in that. And I can be guilty of that too. But what I found was for me, when I, when I was, hand, what, it, what it was is I have a coffee with Kevin. It's a, it's a time that team members, it's my point of reference. I like to take and kind of have systems behind things that, that can make it feel natural, even though in my mind it's a system. And so when I new team member, I'm meeting a new team member, I'm able to say, hey, I look forward to having some coffee with you. It's my time that I'm going to get to connect with them. And so at that time, I was hand, I'd hand them out a book of, of somebody's book that really meant something to me at the end of and but i was talking more about their hopes and dreams in in this coffee time i would say this time with coffee with kevin i'd talk about the beauty of failure how they are created original 
you know, the, the God created them and we want to celebrate where they're going. I wanted to care as much about where they were going on in their life as much as about what, how they were going to do at Chick-fil-A. I wanted them to know that I'm really on this journey with them to be successful. And it's not at Chick-fil-A. I'm with them along the way. They're, they've, got a, they've got a cheerleader for life in me. But I would give them a book from somebody else. And one day I said, what if we wrote those own, those own stories about uh, that I'm talking about that? And that creative process would help me. At the same time, I was um, had went up and did Dream Big with Bob Goff. And it was... I had certainly read Love Does, and I'd heard Bob speak, and I was, uh, you know, really inspired by him. But when I went up there, and I had some other thoughts, I didn't really have this book idea in my head. But, you know, Bob has, uh, if you know him, he's had such an encouraging mindset of really saying, hey, you got this. And uh, and I found a guy that kind of walked alongside me in the journey. You know, he didn't, he didn't do anything other than just keep cheering me on. But you know what he did? He believed in me. And that is everything really, isn't it, for us sometimes. It's if somebody can just believe in you, it changes everything. And so a guy, even though I could get intimidated by a guy like Jeff Henderson that's got so much articulous and practice at what he does, I decided, you know what, if I write 10 pages and I go up to Office Max, we have an Office Max here in town, and they have a copier, and I got some staples, and I can staple the ends of it, and I got a book. So when I said I'm going to write a book, I just decided that's going to be my that can be my book and that'll be a win for me. I don't have to have a book that's published or does anything. And so that's how my journey really started with this idea that I'm going to head in this direction of a creative journey, but I'm going to I'm, my success is not going to be in whether that book gets published, sells sells any copies or or sells a, a you know 10,000 copies. It's just my success is going to be along the journey of exploring, taking an idea and seeing how far I can take it. And that reminds me of something uh, our mutual friend, Tim Disopolis, president of Chick-fil-A, says that, you know, there's a difference between success and excellence. Success is comparing yourself to other people and excellence is comparing yourself to your own potential. And that's one of the things I love about you, Kept One of the many things. Also, can't wait to tell Gwen this quote from you. I have a passion for John Mellencamp. I can't wait to tell your wife you said that. But the other thing is that you're like, hey, why not? Why not try this? And you, you're right. It's that 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 joy that you know. Who who knows where this is going to? You didn't know that knocking on, you know, a relative's door of John Cougar Mellencamp would somehow someday put you on the beach throwing a football. And I think those are connected in some way. I don't know how all that works, but I think it's connected. And I'm with you, and I, I think so too. And I think sometimes, and and my heart's not necessary for my, myself, but just like Bob Goff cheered me on, just like you guys have have cheered people on in the journey, and myself, just like Truett Kathy, gosh, he gave us an opportunity to to um, own a business with a for a guy that had very little assets, you know, and uh, and but just people believing in it. I want to be that for my team here. I think that's the stewardship piece that I'm feeling most opportunity. I don't want to miss out on the opportunity of the people that, that I get to work around and cheer them on in their journey. And if I'm not doing the things to think boldly and courageously, then uh, then I feel like I'm going to miss that opportunity that God's given to me to steward this situation as best I can. Hey, Kevin, I'm curious. You know, we talk a lot on the podcast, actually, about 
there's often a gap between maybe where I am today and where I eventually I want to be and some of the principles that you've got to put in place to get you through those difficult seasons. Um, as you think about maybe even the writing of the book or a difficult season that you have been in, what were some of the things that you did to kind of push through that? Because I would imagine there was probably maybe some editorial deadlines or some things that you had committed to and you're like, oh, either you got a mind block or something's going on in life that was keeping you from that. What were principles or things that you said that helped you push through some of those moments? Well, I'd say there's a couple that come to mind. One is give yourself some grace on time. You know, I mean, there's different seasons that would pop up that I felt, you know, hey, I'm I'm inspired by this. I I want to, you know, but I don't have to have it all done in, in a certain time. I can give myself some grace on time and realize I'm on a journey and I'm trying to enjoy each little piece of it as, as best I can. Also when valleys happen, you know, it's, it's, I, I enjoy trying to enjoy a little bit of the valley when that pain happens and that thing, I just want to keep putting one foot in front of the other and seeing where that goes. And I know that's kind of a weird concept and it may, but, but I just enjoy trying to figure out that valley. What, what, where's that light? Um, I often say, and I, and I write about in there, and the idea of look up, there's things I can't control that pop up in my life. And I think of them as turnstiles sometimes or things that are right in front of me that I just, and I can stare at them for days. I don't know if you can. And I'm trying to manipulate them and massage them and figure out how to get out of it. But there's one particular day that really stands out. I was walking down, going on a walk, and I, all of a sudden I looked up and I saw the sky. And it just overwhelmed me. It was like, wow, look at the opportunities. And I'm sitting here staring at this one issue that's a really, really thing that I may not even have control over, you know, because life happens. Life is hard. I, I love to ask the question to people, hey, what's hard in life? You know, those are just fun conversations to get in there and realize life is hard and I can't fix hard, but I can move my chin up after Sometimes it takes me a few while to stare at that that turnstile that won't won't budge, but I can start looking up and I can take a deep breath and I can see a God that's really big. I can see a world that's really big. I can see people in my life that, that can come into the situation. I can see time in a different way. I realize how my time perspective is different maybe than God's or different, uh, different in so many ways. I can see directions that I can go into. And wow, I didn't see that direction over there. So for me, look up means a lot. And it actually means physically look up for me and, and find that people, for instance. Well, let me tell you about time. You know, I, 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 I share this in the book. When Truett Cathy, when I first got inspired by Truett Cathy, did you know he was, I'm, I'm amazed. He, he, Chick-fil-A was, was just in there. They were still in malls at this particular time. When I was a teenager here in Truett Cathy speak the first time. Do you realize he was 64 when I first heard him? He was 64. His impact in the world had not even really begun at that time very much. He was just getting cranked up. You know, I'm 53 today. He was 64. I am just getting started. And so it's that shift in perspective that we all kind of need sometimes when we feel stuck to see life in a little different way. And it's not a 180 degree turn. I call it just a quarter turn in perspective to look at things in life in a little different way. People are the big thing. You're asking, what do I, what do I do? I don't know. Sometimes it's just calling somebody, you know, making sure you got a good group of friends and and just saying, hey, here's what's going on in my life. I don't need them to solve it sometimes. 
but I want them to just have people that are going on the journey that I know will encourage me or quite frankly, not care about what I'm doing sometimes because, <laughs> because they keep my perspective that that's not all that important. You know, so it's, it's gathering people around you that will encourage you. And that's a big, big angle for me too. When I feel stuck. Kevin, can I ask you a question? This, when you give so much to other people, it takes energy. Um, how do you fill your tank back up so that you can get up the next day and have something else that you can give? What is it that fills you back up and charges your battery? Well, that's a that's a tremendous question, and I, I say oftentimes and that. I don't want to be on a hamster wheel life of going after the next thing. That's not the path that I don't, I don't find. I don't find that's a healthy way of, of doing things. I want to make sure, you know, at home as a dad and as a uh, husband, that I'm knocking out of the park. I, I want to score an A at home. And, uh, and I don't mind at work being the B player if I need to be to be that A at home. So that fills my tank to make sure that I'm doing my best at my primary role, which for me is, is, um, in my life is a husband and a, um, and a dad. And so that generally fills my tank oftentimes to make sure I'm, I gives me the freedom to go over here and, and be the best kind of leader I can, can be, but rest and margin. I mean, true, build a great business on, on, uh, creating this margin in the world. I mean, it's um, it's an important thing to look, but the margin can come throughout our day. For me, I like to book in my day, and this is one thing that's really um, healthy for me. And actually, you talked about Tim Disopolis. One thing I loved, he said, somebody asked him about a balanced life, and I don't know if you were ever, ever in the room when he said this. He said, I'm not trying to have a balanced life. I'm trying to have a focused life on the things that are important to me, which means saying no to some things. For me, I like to book in my day, which means at night, I like to, uh, no TV at the end of the night, you know, no news, no social media. It's like, I like a devotional or my, one of my favorite things is a, is a surfer magazine. It's a yachting magazine. It's a Western magazine. What I like to do is go get a year subscription to the weirdest magazines I can find that just get my brain going in a direction that doesn't go. I mean, you go look at yachts, it's hilarious. All of a sudden, you're just picturing yourself on an ocean and what would it be like? And it just, to me, it's a, it's a, it lets my brain go and relax in, another, in other areas that are interesting. I mean, surfing, I would probably be a terrible surfer, but I guarantee you, I know more surfer language than any of y'all know, and I know more surfer gear than y'all know. <laughs> Because I love my surfer magazines just to get my brain going oftentimes. And then in the morning, it's starting out my morning just with uh, some, you know, I love to journal. I love to pick two or three verses out of the Bible and write what it means to me. Um, you know, I love listening to people share what, what the Bible means to them or preaching. But I also love to just read the words and say what it says to me. And I find it engaging. Also, uh, there's an app, Headspace. I love Headspace where you can meditate. So those things like that that, that get my day that do fill my tank up that allow me to kind of get going in a direction. Kevin, it's so, so good. So good. And, you know, what, what I love about you is I, I think you've over the years figured out who you are, what makes you tick, um, how God's leveraging or how God can leverage your strengths. I think a lot of us, especially, you know, folks that may be listening are in a place where they're trying to figure out what that is for them. 
And you wrote a chapter in your book. I'd love for you to talk about it. Not only are you a huge John Cougar Mellencamp fan, but you also started by playing the guitar uh, when you were younger. And you have this chapter in the book about consider your chords. What does that mean for listeners out there? and How could that maybe help them? The idea of consider your chords really came from the fact that uh, I'm a terrible guitar player. I strum up and down. Uh, I mean, if you heard me, I'm just like, I know, I know five chords and I know up and down strumming. I had a terrible guitar teacher that was, didn't teach me anything. He would just love to sit in the room and I mean, he was amazing. He would jam out and I was just like, you know, I'm younger and I'm enjoying listening to him, but I'm not learning anything. But what I found was that uh, because I wasn't very good at copying other people, other artists and other songs, I started playing, playing in my own mind with songs that I could create. And I started discovering that when I wrote my own song, man, boy, they, they could sound perfect because they were my songs, my words, and the beauty of that. So this idea of consider your chords is along the same line. How do you write a beautiful song in your life? And so I took these five chords that I did and I wrote an album. It was just one of my ideas. Could I write an album? So I wrote all kinds of songs. You probably are familiar with all of them. Nose Against the Wind. Have y'all ever heard that song? It's amazing. (laughs) Uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, Check Your Gauge. These are all Miss Tiffany Jones. These are all songs that I just kind of started playing with. But this idea that you can write some beautiful songs and you only need a few chords to do it. You know, uh, I don't know if you know Led Zeppelin, Robert Plant has a song, I'm in the mood for a melody. Have you ever heard this song? I'm in the mood for a melody, I'm in the mood for a melody, I'm in the mood. You know how many chords that song is? It's two. It's two chords just over and over. And it is one of the most beautiful songs. Tom Petty Free Falling, amazing song. Three chords. I mean, these, you don't have to know everything. And what you're really trying to say is, what, how did God wire me and what can I use as these chords that could be beautiful to write this life song? And it's easy to beat ourselves up when we're trying to be every, everything else. I mean, you guys are amazing leaders. I see what y'all do. I mean, I mean, I'm amazed at the things you guys can do within your organizations, Chick-fil-A, Jeff, the things you've done. But you know what? As I start to give myself a little grace, I can do some things too. And I can I can start to write, not in a brag, brag way, I just want to find what God wired me to do and, and not beat myself up over the things that I can't do and start to discover the beauty in those things. And I think you just don't need to know everything. You just need to kind of tap into those few chords that you can do. And so not being afraid to fail or, you know, persistence, you know, seeing life in a different angle of, of, um, you know, I, I, I say oftentimes old age is really a chance to dream, you know, uncertainty is, wow, well, look at the beauty of uncertainty can be a chance to dream. And when you start looking at these different little things, the way there are different chords and you start trying to play those in a way that can make a beautiful story really is, is, uh, is a lot of fun. If someone's listening, Kevin has not wet their appetite to go, I, I, I'm looking at Amazon. You can go on Amazon right now. If I order his book, I'll have it by Saturday. And I've got it right here because he was kind enough to send it to me. But if he has <laughs> not wet your appetite, coming out of a COVID year when we had, it seemed like, you know, plague after plague after plague, and you need a reboot on your thinking. If, if Kevin's not motivated you to go get this book and, and read Rational Kindness, I don't know what will. That's awesome, hey, Kevin. I... 
I started this journey. I said, I'm going to write a, you know what, you know, one of the things I, you know, I was like, okay, to write a book, you've got to have seven, a framework, right? You got to have seven things that line up and then you, or no, I got to have all the same letter. I got to have six C's, you know, all these things that you see books. You know what I decided? Cause I wrote a, a chapter about freestyling. It all came from this idea of, you know what? I don't. An album, I can write a concept album. They can just be each individual different songs. You know, I don't have to. I can just write these individual songs that can be beautiful. And that was a freeing thing to my mind. I think I think that idea when we get outside of our comfort zone and start thinking, wow, what if I looked at it from this angle? It changes everything. So I started this idea of, wow, we're going to put an album together for this book. So I actually today, Aspen Ananda, has written a song called Irrational Kindness. It's on iTunes. You can go listen to it right now. It is amazing. It's an Irrational Kindness soundtrack. I don't know. I don't even know, I don't even know how to say it. Movies have soundtracks. Well, now this book has a soundtrack. So go check out Irrational Kindness. It has a song. That's awesome. <laughs> and Shane, I'm, I'm wondering if this would be a good moment for Jeff Henderson to sing the Know What You're For song right now. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I really hate to break it to Kevin, but uh, John Cougar Mellencamp wrote that song, and uh, it's coming out on Spotify. <laughs> that um, oh, on my wall here, by the way, I do have a beautiful rejection from John Mellencamp when I said, "Hey, John, would you recommend this book?" He's no, no. <laughs> I mean, probably about seven layers down, of people basically said, "Get away, creeper! You can't have anything to do with him." But I have a rejection hanging on my wall, just a source of pride. You never get to an ask, a yes if you don't ask. So exactly, um, I love that you asked. And Kevin, I can't thank you enough. I mean, you you know, in a season where oftentimes the two loudest voices happen to be one that's mean and could be one that's kind. And I'm so grateful that you chose and have chosen a life of kindness and a message of kindness uh, in a world that desperately needs it. Irrational kindness that takes us down paths that we may may have been unexpected, uh, but ultimately lead to some incredible discovery of, of people and the goodness of where we live and the communities that we're involved in. And so, so grateful for you. Appreciate your passion to get this message out. I'm grateful that we can help you in a small way. Maybe the 30 people listening to this podcast will go and buy a book. Let's do it. Um, but uh, quite honestly, we, as you know, we, we do this because really for us in this podcast, it's a chance for us to not only be a part of something bigger than ourselves, but to, to just to get to hear from people like yourself that really inspire each of us to go out and do what only we can do and what God created us to do. So I just want to say thank you on behalf of the listeners today and uh, in, in the future of Irrational Kindness. Go out and buy the book. It's fantastic. We highly recommend it. It's got some great stories, some really, really powerful principles, and uh, just appreciate you as a person, Kevin. Hey, thank you, Shane. I say, you know, I'm not perfect, and, and uh, God didn't design a perfect person, but the— um, and any of us humans, but, um, and being kind does not mean sticking your head in the sand and, or, uh, you know, or getting run over. It simply means being kind. And it's trying to see that person that's all around us that is, uh, needs a lift up. 
There's incredible stories. I, we, we say it, we want to celebrate the celebrity and everybody. Oftentimes in our kitchen are the people that we bypass every day or you bypass them in your in stores or people. Man, there's incredible stories of hope, encouragement, perseverance. And, you know, and the news is a wonderful thing to learn a little bit from, but it's also a beat down to negativity. And let me just assure you, there's amazing things. There's amazing kind things happening all around. And I have this idea that we we could can, uh, you know, like adult swim, you know, in a pool. It's like the, the lifeguard blows his whistle and it's like adult swim time. So, I think the news organization sometimes should have adult swim. You know, it's like, okay, now we're going to give 10 minutes of some really things that are that are positive about the amazing thing happened in the world because there are amazing things. But, you know, I don't have control over that. That's one of those things. But I do have control over where my mind's going and, uh, and who I'm encouraging and what I'm doing. And I'm grateful for what you guys do. Um, as I've been following you guys and your guys' career, you guys do a great job of that. And I'm cheering you guys on for that next step of, of what we can do together to lift up others um, towards this idea of kindness towards each other and seeing the world a little differently. Well, I don't know where this finds you, if you're in your car or on the treadmill or just kind of in a peaceful setting listening to this podcast. But I know this spoke to me and spoke to Jeff and David as well. And I hope that hopefully it spoke to you. And we're so grateful from an executive mind standpoint to, to be in your life and love it when you uh, listen in. And we've got uh, more things to share along the way, but uh, appreciate you taking some time, Kevin, with us today. And uh, good luck and uh, continue to hang loose as any surfer, any good surfer would say, hang loose out there and keep, uh, keep spreading kindness, man. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Was that not an amazing conversation? I could literally feel Kevin's energy bursting through my headphones and it was contagious. I too have been accused of having high energy. So I am starting to wonder if it is a Kevin thing. Uh, but it was an amazing conversation and I have two or three pages of notes in front of me that I took personally while listening. And I'm gonna share a few things that jumped out at me. I, I think one, and I think this might be relevant for all of us go-getters who wanna be difference makers and our ambition is a big driver for us, and that is accepting failure as a beautiful thing. And often, not that bad. I wrote that down. I thought that was so powerful, this idea that if you think about your failures, you typically have learned great lessons from them, you've gotten better at what you do, and you typically have a fantastic story to tell that keeps you humble, but also pushes you and drives you even more. It's like, when, how often in my life has failure truly been as bad as I thought it was going to be? Very, very rarely. I thought that was a powerful perspective. And another thing that jumped out was just this reminder that I have to focus on remembering the joy is in the journey. And often, who we to experience that journey with and I think that that is a powerful tool. I think so many of us as ambitious executives and leaders and entrepreneurs, we want to think about the end goal. And that helps us so much to stay focused and, and stay committed. But the joys in the journey and we have to remember that first, we don't become disillusioned by achieving our goals. Right. We can become very disappointed when we recognize one I thought was powerful was just this idea. And I, this is my paraphrase of what Kevin said. And that is being a cheerleader of the person often produces believers in the leader. 
being a cheerleader of the person often produces believers in the leader. That's what I wrote down for myself because when I heard him talking about the fact that the more you overlook and say, no, I'm going to be focused on my team members, my colleagues, my even my, my leader, my boss as a person, that will help them believe in me at work. And I believe that's so true. Now, it's not to be manipulative. It's just to say that we can actually gain progress at work by being engaged in the lives of those we work with. And that's a really powerful idea that I am going to make sure I'm staying in tune with every day as I'm leading my team. All right. Now, two more things. One was a quote that from Tim Disopolis that Jeff Henderson shared, right? This idea that success is comparing yourself to other people, but excellence is comparing yourself to your own potential. I love that quote so much. And what I really love about it is I merely kind of, you know, moaned out loud. Yes, mm, that's good. Because I knew that's what we want to give you here. We want to help you strive for excellence. We say grow your career. You notice we didn't say succeeding your career. It's not because we don't want you to be successful. It's because excellence is rooted in your potential. And we can control how much we cultivate ourselves. We may not always be able to control all of the outcomes around it. We do our best to influence them, but we can't control them. And the last thing was this. What if, what happened if you viewed problems as turnstiles? Now, there's so much more he shared, right? Um, but, I, but the viewing problems as turnstiles, I loved it because it was this idea of saying, it was a fantastic word picture, this idea that it's almost the price of admission to the next big thing, the price of admission to this next stage of your career, your opportunities or whatever, is that don't look at it just as a mountain to climb, but a turnstile that uh, what awaits me on the other side of me pushing through this problem or challenge. And I thought that was a really, really exciting visual for me. So once again, there's so much more. If you just listened to this episode, you know that. So I want to let you know that you can access a summary of this episode, including links to Kevin's book, Irrational Kindness, as well as other resources we mentioned by visiting executiveminds.co forward slash 200. That's executiveminds.co forward slash 200. Zero. All right. With that, I want to thank you for joining us for episode 200 of Executive Minds, uh, where we help go-getters like you become difference makers with the guidance you need to convert your potential into high performance so you can grow your career. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Subscribing automatically delivers episodes to you every week so you can grow on the go. You can find Executive Minds on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Also, help us spread the word and support more ambitious professionals and leaders like you by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Then join us for our upcoming episodes when we'll continue celebrating our return by releasing two episodes over the next seven days. That's right. We'll be revisiting a previous episode with business strategist Dara Brustein discussing how to grow your network and build authentic relationships. Then we'll be sharing an all new episode featuring Brett Hagler, the CEO of New Story, an amazing innovative nonprofit using technology to end global homelessness. And when I say innovative, I mean it. Like Brett and his team used a 3D printer to build an entire community of homes. All right. You don't want to miss it. Until next time, remember, 
Organizations are just groups of people with a shared purpose. That means your organization grows when you grow. So today, grow where you are and grow what you're given without anyone's permission because growth is a choice. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Executive Minds, the podcast helping you convert your potential into high performance so you can grow your career. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Then join us for the next episode. For show notes and more resources, visit executiveminds.co. That's executiveminds.co. The Art of Leadership Network.